Wow, wow, wow. Well, we are in an incredible season as a church. Uh, you know, things are exciting. Things are great. I'm speaking to a lot of, a lot of people. I'm in Aus- Australia tonight. I go over to uh, the Gold Coast. Oh, suffering, you know, suffering for the sake of the gospel. Um, and it's interesting. I had a phone call on Thursday. I'm speaking somewhere next Sunday. I'm in a conference this week. And they said, can you please speak on on the power of your finances to leave a legacy. Almost word for word. And, um, and I said, well, that's really interesting because that's exactly what I'm speaking on in my own church this Sunday. So we said, it's a sign, you know. It's like, woo. <laughs> but um, how many of you know we are in an exciting time as a church? You know what? Uh, over the last, as a church for 21 years, it's been step by step by step. As you know, Sharon and I have pastored before and, you know, we began this church and it's been healthy step by step by step over 21 years of Citygate Church. But there are times and seasons in, in any church. Every family goes through seasons. Every, every company goes through seasons and a church goes through seasons. And you've got to embrace the season you're in. How many of you know that's true? You've got to embrace. You can't fight the season you're in. If it's a season you're in, it's a season you're in. You've got to go with the season, but you need to make sure that you keep in step with the Spirit of God and with God's Word and God's will for your life. And you go, if it's a tough season, then come on, we are more than conquerors and you can put on the armour. And the Bible says that as a good soldier, endure all things. If it's a season of harvest, you've got to make sure you're sitting in your combine harvester and not sitting in front of the TV. Because it's harvest time, yeah? It's harvest time. And the Bible's really, really clear. When it's harvest time, and this is true anyway, not just because it's in the Bible, but it's true in life. Uh, when it's harvest time, it is the most hard-working time of your life. Harder than sowing the seed. When you put the seed in, that's, that's like, wow, it's a lot of work. But you know what? It's not that time critical. It can be done over a few days over, or over a few weeks. You've got a bit of a season to get the seed in the ground. But when it's harvest time, how many of you know you've got to get out there and reap the harvest as quickly as you can because the harvest ain't going to stay there forever. Now, we know the harvest in the world has been ripe since the year... Zero. when the Lord Jesus Christ said, look, you know, the fields are wide unto harvest. He didn't say pray for harvest. He said pray for laborers to go out and get the harvest. That's what he said. So um, I'm excited as a, a pastor of the church here that, that we're in an incredible uh, a season of, of harvest. And that's an exciting thing. You know what? Things are going on. People are coming to Christ. We're baptizing more people than we have before. We're seeing church growth like we've never done before over, a, over about an 18-month period. This is not like a little, little thing over a month or two. And I'm excited about that, but I'm also aware we must not take that for granted. But we've got to make sure we are sitting in our combine harvesters and we're not just sitting in front of the TV. Can I hear an amen this morning? You've got to know the season that you're in. So we are here to lead a legacy, wherever the banner should be up there right now, should say legacy right the way across the back. There you go. Legacy. We are here to leave a legacy. We're to impact the lives of other people. You know what? The time I stand before God, whenever that is, and we all do the same thing, individually, corporately, however it goes, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. 
I want to hear, you know what, you've done what I called you to do. The Apostle Paul, you know, in the Bible, it's a, he was a guy in the Bible who was really part of the early church after a few years. And he was used by God to really spread Christianity around the known world at that time. And, and he said, you know what, I fight with the power of God on the inside of me. I, I consider everything else to be like rubbish, to be like dung for the sake of this high call, this, you know, for the sake of my life being on fire for God, putting everything everything I can into this relationship with God and the purpose God has for me, which is to spread the love and the light of God in, the, in this uh, generation that God has caused me to be alive in. We read of King David last week and the testimony of God is this, that he served his generation by the will of God and that he was a man after God's own heart. The Bible is full from Genesis all the way through and carries on even through into the body of Christ, of people whose lives make a difference. They make a difference. They don't just exist, they live. They live life to the full. They live on purpose. They live for a cause. They live with something more than just a routine in their, in their purpose of their life. They live for something greater than just what is going on on a day-to-day basis. They live for a greater cause. And you, you know, if you're around the body of Christ for more than just a couple of years, not just here, anywhere, you're going to hear about we need to live for a vision. We need to live for something greater than just our own existence. So we're doing four weeks on the fact that we need to leave a legacy out of our lives and out of this church. I'm thrilled to be part of INC, an international denomination that has been going on for many years around the world and and It's exciting to hear the things we're part of around the world, but we're part of the greater body of Christ. Catholic, Baptist, Anglican, Presbyterian, uh, you name it. If they declare Jesus as Lord, we're all part of one big family. And there are incredible things going on in our generation. And I'm excited about the days we live in. And today I want to talk about the fact that in order to leave a Legacy, we need to be people who give with generosity. You know what? There's a number of things that we need to do. We need to serve with intensity. We need to go with a passion. And we need to build other people's lives on purpose, but we need to give with generosity. I don't know about you, but you know, traditionally when we think about this whole subject of giving, we tend to think of the word sacrifice. And it's a very powerful word, sacrifice. It's a word that is really central to the plan of God. You know what? The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is is described as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. He was the sacrifice of God for the salvation of the world. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a teacher. He was like the lamb of God. When he died on the cross, he shed his own life. Not He shed his blood. He poured out his life that others may live. And it says in the Word of God that he who comes to Christ, and 
Again, this isn't something that we overly talk about a lot, but it's central to what it is to be a Christian. That it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you actually die a death, the Bible sort of says. You die to yourself. You become a living sacrifice. I mean, this is, this, these are strong words. Jesus said, you know, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you'd, uh, you'd uh, carry your cross daily. It's as if you're to live, we would say like this, perhaps, you know, traditionally, you would live a crucified life. What does that mean? We put God first. It means we put the kingdom of God first. It says seek first the kingdom of God. But it's not just a matter of just, oh, I'm interested in the kingdom. It's like there's this passion on the inside that says, what can I do to advance the kingdom? That's on the heart of a Christian. What can I do? How can I live my life in a way that advances the kingdom? We put other people first. And we put a bigger cause first. You know, so many people live for their own prosperity or their own comfort or their own advancement. And as a church, if you've been around here for more than just a couple of weeks, you'll know we believe in success. We believe that God has abundance for, for our lives. Abundance in every area, financially, emotionally, spiritually, socially, in so many areas, God wants us. He says you will prosper and succeed when you keep God's word in your heart and in your mouth and you seek first the kingdom of God. There's all sorts of priorities in there, but the outcome is this. You will succeed and you will prosper. We absolutely believe that is God's will for our lives. It doesn't mean to say that we don't go through some valleys. It doesn't mean to say that we don't face mountains and don't face challenges, but we we know fundamentally, like we heard earlier, that we know, that we know, that we know if God is for me, then who can be against me? When I speak to a mountain, the mountain's got to move. God is the God who will raise up every valley and bring down every mountain. He can part any Red Sea that you face. He can slay any enemy that you may face. You can take the head off any Goliath that comes out and accuses you. You can go from strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory, to use some of the Bible expressions there. We know this is true. It's, it, it's a fundamental truth in the Word of God. But there's still the principle of sacrifice. And we've got to get our head around sacrifice. We are here to give ourselves for a greater cause in order to build an incredible legacy. If we live just for ourselves, you know, there's going to be some questions when we face God. And I know I talked about this just a little bit the other day, but, you know, some of the questions are going to be, what did you do with the life I gave you? And if it's like, well, if it was convenient, then I'd put it into my diary. If it was comfortable, then I added it onto my schedule. No, God, I don't think God's going to want to hear that sort of thing. He's going to want to know that we were seeking first, loving first, Standing first, fighting first. There's a first in the Word of God, and it's always to do with the kingdom of God, never to do with ourselves. However, after saying all that, but I needed to say that, when we think about this word to give, to give with generosity, our understanding from God's Word is not actually sacrifice. 
It's actually sowing seed. So it doesn't throw away the principle of sacrifice because we are to be a living sacrifice. But if all we think about when we give is that, is that I need to sacrifice something, the word to sacrifice really means to burn up, to destroy. But our understanding of, of especially financial giving, which is what I'm talking about today, when we understand financial giving and uh, generosity, we're to understand and we're to get to grips with this whole principle in the Word of God. In fact, it's really a law. When I say law, I don't mean a you must and you must not. But it's more like, you know, the law of uh, gravity. When you, when you drop something, it will fall down. When I used to demonstrate this, I used to get my Bible and used to drop it and it would fall to the floor and we'd play with that. I'm not going to drop my iPad. I broke one doing that. So I'm not going to do that. So I, you just, and I'm not going to drop the microphone. So I haven't really got anything else to drop. I could drop a handkerchief. I could drop, I tell you what, this would be appropriate. I'd drop a five pound note. There we go. There we go. What a coincidence. <laughs> it is actually. I just grabbed it off the kitchen table today. I hope it's mine. <laughs> it was there. If it's there, it's my house. It must be mine. There we go. So look, if you drop this, it falls to the ground. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Isn't that miraculous? How many of you think it might do it again if I drop it again? Anybody? Is it going to do it again? How do you know? It might not. It might go up. Let's, uh, okay, who says it's going up? Who says it's going down? Okay. Ah, it's amazing. Miraculous. Astounding. Unbelievable. It did the same thing twice. Ah, Okay. What's the percentage chance of this that it's going down again? Anybody want to guess? Is it going up or is it going down? It's going down. Amazing. You know what? I could stand here all day long and do this and every time it would go down unless I put a, an engine underneath it and put it on like a, a drone and sort of carried it up. But that's bringing in another law. But the law of... Gravity says this will keep going down, down every time. Well, it's a little bit like that. The Bible talks about laws in the Bible. There's the royal law of love, that love will never fail. Always do the love thing. Yeah, always. Why? Because love never fails. The Bible talks about the law of freedom. The Bible talks about the law of faith. These are all laws. I won't cover them today, but they're all laws that work. And they will work every time if you, if you have the conditions right. Every time you put these laws to work, they will work. Well, there's also a, a, a principle in God's Word that isn't called a law, but it is a principle all the way through the Bible which we really need to understand. And it's the law of sowing and reaping. And it is a law. It is something that works. It's a scriptural principle. In fact, it's so essential uh, to what the Word of God talks about. We read this in Galatians 6, 7 to 9. It says this, do not be deceived. What are you going to believe? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corrupt, 
Corruption, excuse me. <clears throat> but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now that sort of doesn't really say it the best way, even though, of course, this is the Word of God. That word everlasting life, in that context, we seem to, to think if we sow to the Spirit, we will live forever. That's not what it's saying. It's the Greek word zoe, which means the abundant life, life in all its fullness. If you sow to the Spirit, you will live life in all its fullness. We know that that covers love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. All the fruit of the Spirit is in the abundant life. All the gifts of the Spirit are in the abundant life. The character of God is in the abundant life. But also all of the blessings of God, hello, are in the abundant life. Can I hear an amen this morning? Let us not grow weary while doing good. Could I sort of throw in there, let us not grow weary while sowing. This is the context. You've got to understand things in their context. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Sowing to the Spirit. Why? Because in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. One translation says if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Let us sow seed in every circumstance. Hello? especially to those who are of the household of faith. There is a law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If we're talking about we're here to leave a legacy, we must understand that in order to leave something, you've got to sow something. Are we getting this this morning? It's a bit deep, perhaps for a Sunday morning, but, but this, is, this is a key to life. If we want to leave something, we're going to have to do some sowing. There are six things in the Bible that equate to seed. So this is huge. When we talk about sowing, it is so central to who God is and how God works. Everything of importance in the Bible is, is equated to sowing seed. Let me give you some examples. In fact, no, before I do that, I'm just going to read some other scripture here. I really want to stay with my notes this morning. Normally, I go off all over the place, but I want to stay with my notes today because otherwise we're just going to get into so much stuff and I need to rein myself in. If we're going to build an unshakable, long-lasting legacy, each of these kinds of seed, these six things we're going to talk about today, especially one of them, they must be sown consistently and regularly. Why? Because when we sow to the Spirit, we reap abundant life and are able to leave a great legacy. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, long passage of Scripture. Are you ready for this? Furthermore, this is from verse 1 all the way through to verse 15. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work of the temple is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. How many of you know this guy lived with leaving a legacy on his heart? For now the house of my God I have prepared with all my might, gold for things made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for bronze, iron for iron, for wood for wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colours, all kinds of precious stones, marble slabs in abundance. Sounds like a new building. <laughs> Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, 
I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold, silver, 3,000 talents of gold, gold of offer, 7,000 talents of silver, overlay of the walls of the houses, gold for gold, silver for silver, all things. Uh, who then is going to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then all the leaders of the father's house, the tribes and the captains of thousands, etc., etc., offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and the gold and then 10,000 talents of silver and bronze and talents of iron. And they go through it all over again. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hands of Yale, the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced gracefully. Um, Greatly, going down to verse 16. O Lord, our Lord, all this abundance we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name um, is in, sorry, is from your hand. It's all of your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and you have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, um, I've offered these things um, and the joy I've seen your people who are present here to offer uh, to you. O Lord, O God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people. He's saying, remember what's going on here to leave a legacy. Hello. And he said, give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, and to do all these things and to build the temple which I've made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers. They bowed their heads. They prostrated themselves before the Lord their king. What we sow today becomes our harvest tomorrow. What we sow today enables other people to build after us. What we sow today becomes our legacy. The gifts we give will carry on speaking even after we're gone. We'll keep on speaking. So let's go through these six types of seed in the Bible. Number one, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a seed. Is like a seed. Mark chapter 4. What's the first thing that we need to do? We need to sow the kingdom of God generously. Sow the kingdom of God. What do we mean by that? How can you sow? Well, you know what? Everything God does works by seed, time, and harvest. If we want to see the principles of the kingdom of God enlarged in our lives, harvest in our lives, growing in our lives. We need to be sowing the kingdom into every circumstance and every situation we find ourselves in. What does that mean? Sow kingdom principles. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's so many things the Bible says about the kingdom of God. It is a way we live. It's how we think. It's how we speak. The kingdom of God is where Jesus reigns. And as a believer here today, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, every circumstance and every situation we are in, we are there as an ambassador. Come on. We are there as an ambassador of the kingdom of God to represent the kingdom and to sow the principles of the kingdom in every circumstance. When someone's doing a dodgy deal, you do the truthful thing. When someone's lying, you do the truthful thing. When someone's compromising, you do the kingdom thing. Can I hear an amen this morning? It's the kingdom of God that we represent. What's the harvest of the kingdom of God in our lives? Well, it's the inheritance of kingdom living. 
It's the inheritance we have. You know, Jesus said, your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When we sow the kingdom into every circumstance we find ourselves in, we can trust that we can live in the goodness of the kingdom on a daily basis. Number two, I'm going to go really quickly through the first five. Number two, what else do we need to do? We need to sow faith generously. So faith, the Bible says, you know, his disciples came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, increase our faith. And he didn't say, pray for more faith. In fact, you can't pray for more faith. Well, you can pray for it, but it ain't ever going to be answered. Oh God, give me more faith. Strengthen my faith. No, God just says, you know what he says? Sow it. Sow it like seed. Faith grows like a tree grows. You sow a seed in the ground and it will grow. This is how everything in the kingdom of God and the principles of God operate. You don't pray for something. You know, if I want a tree to suddenly appear like this, that's not harvest, that's a miracle. And we love miracles. Don't we love miracles? But you know what? We don't want to live by miracles. We want to live by sowing and reaping. And if we need a miracle, then God can break through and give one. And we want to provide Lots of, of, of uh, breakthroughs into the lives of people around us. But in our own lives, God wants healthy seed, time and harvest. Can I hear an amen? Over 26 years of pastoring, the amount of people who keep coming back saying, Pastor Jay, I need a miracle. And I'm thinking, dear God, what is wrong with our lives that we go day after day after day after day keeping on needing miracles? God wants to break that mindset and break that lifestyle so we come out of a miracle mentality and into a sowing and reaping mentality. Can I hear an amen this morning? Sow faith generously. Speak words of faith. Pray faith into a situation. Use faith like a mechanic uses a tool to move mountains. What's the harvest when we sow faith into situations, well, it's breakthroughs, mountains, moving, creative events. The most incredible things can take place when faith comes on the scene. Can I hear an amen this morning? Number three, very quickly, the Bible says that up come these people, <coughs> the Greeks, and they say uh, to the disciples, we want to see Jesus. And they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, the Greeks are here, they want to see you. And he says, go and tell them, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and abides alone, but if it does fall into the ground, then it'll spring forth and bear forth much fruit. That's to quote John chapter 12. So they go, wow, that's deep teaching, Jesus, but the Greeks are here. They want to see you. Uh, and he says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. Oh, okay, thank you, Jesus. They go and tell the, Gre the Greeks. They say, well, Jesus isn't showing today, um, but he does have this word for you. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and abides alone. They go, oh, wow. <laughs> great teaching what was that all about they asked to see Jesus simple question and you know what he said he said if you want to see me you've got to understand you can't see me just by seeing me you see me in my harvest he said I am like a grain of wheat that on the cross falls into the ground and dies and the harvest even today is you and I 
over 2,000 years, all the people that have come to Christ and are continuing to come to Christ in greater and greater thousands and hundreds of thousands around the world, where all the harvest, the Bible says, for the joy set before Him, Jesus faced the cross. What's the joy? The harvest that His sacrifice, His seed into the ground provided. Even Jesus Himself is compared to a seed. So what have we got to do? We've got to sow Jesus generously. How do we do that? Just like I said with the kingdom, every opportunity. What does it say in Acts chapter 2? Don't go anywhere till you've received power from the Holy Spirit, which is like the third person of the Godhead. And until you've been empowered from God, then you'll look like me. Then you can speak for me. Then you can represent me in the world. It's my prayer. It's our heart here in Citygate Church that each of us represent Jesus Christ. You know, how many of you heard this? It's been said over, I don't know how many years now. Sometimes you and I are the only Jesus people are ever going to see. Every situation we find ourselves in, yes, we represent the kingdom and we do the right thing and we do the godly thing, but we are representing Jesus Christ. Every word that we speak, every attitude we have, We talk a lot in this church about having a great attitude. You know what? It's easy to have a gift. It's a lot harder to have a great attitude. And God wants us to have a great attitude, which is it's no longer I who live. Come on, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I represent Jesus Christ. So in every situation we're in, come on, let's say it. So Jesus generously. What's the harvest of that? Well, it's going to be loads of people coming to Christ. Why? Because they're going to see the love of God that shines through the church. Number four, very quickly. The Bible says in Matthew 13, it says that the, the seeds are the sons of the kingdom, the Christians. People who have said yes to Jesus Christ. What have we got to do? Number four, we've got to sow ourselves generously. You're thinking, well, you're not getting onto money very quickly, are you? Well, come on. I'm not just here to talk about money. The whole kingdom works by sowing and reaping. Hello? Everything works as a seed. If we can get all these others working by a seed, then finances are not going to be a problem. So ourselves generously. We are salt and light in the world. You know, the Bible says the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of everybody. So ourselves. Put your whole self in. We brought our kids up. Put your whole arm in and your one arm in and in and Shake it all about. You do the yoke, you in, you turn around. That's what Put your whole self in. <laughs> Should we all do that this morning? No, let's not. Put your whole self in. Not some half-hearted life. Not some lukewarm Christianity. Not some apathetic church attendance. Not some half-hearted prayer life. Not some excuse of a Bible reading thing. Come on, put your whole self in. In, in Jesus' name. If it's worth living for, it's worth dying for. Put your whole self in. What's the harvest to put in your whole self in? Well, it's the harvest of the blessing and favour of God in every part of our life. Number five, very quickly. What else are we going to sow? Isn't this amazing? All these things are compared to seed in the Bible. Faith is a seed. The kingdom is a seed. Jesus himself is a seed. The church is a seed. Number five, the word of God 
is a seed. Mark chapter 4, the sower sows the word. It's all about all the four different types of, there's the pathway and there's the thorny patch and there's the, and there's the, um, there's the uh, thorny patch, the weed, uh, the thorny patch, the pathway, the birds of the air and the thing, there's a third one. And then there's the good ground. There's the good ground. The sower sows the word. The Bible says all the way through the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, it says things like this, the word grew. The word increased, the word spread, the word multiplied. There's a little bit over there in Ephesians where the apostle Paul started a Bible school. He was kicked out of the synagogue, went next door to the school of Tirana, started a Bible school, did it for two years. And it says from that point, over a two-year period, the word of God spread throughout the whole of Asia. Wow, the Word of God spread. It's our heart as a church if we're going to leave a legacy that the Word of God spreads in our generation. They may want to you know, take it out of the schools. They may want to take it out of politics and out of, the, out of the chambers and out of public domain. But the Word of God has got to be pouring out of each and every one of our hearts. Speaking the Word of God, praying the Word of God, agreeing the Word of God together, singing the Word of God, singing the Word of God. What is the harvest of the Word of God being sown? Well, it's the Word coming to pass. The promises of God coming to pass. All these incredible things happening. Number six, here we go, with about five minutes left. Sow finances generously. If we're going to leave a legacy, we have got to get a handle on this one thing in our lives. Because it's the only other thing that we're told can be a God to us. And what is it? Money. Money. If you're a guest here today, you've come right into a service where we're talking about money. So all your suspicions might be true today that all the church wants is your money. Not true. (laughs) But we've got to understand how we handle our finances. The lovely little picture on the front. How we handle our finances is a representation of our heart, our very core how we think, how we live, what's important to us. It says three things about us and it really uh, empowers and enables three things. Number one, our partnership with God. It speaks of our partnership with God. The person who says, I love God but is not a generous person financially, I would question their love for God. Why? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. We have a partnership with God. What does that involve? Very quickly, it involves our tithing and it involves, involves things like our first fruits. The Bible says, honour the Lord with your first fruits. And that's not just an Old Testament law. It's a biblical principle that we put God first financially. 
the Bible tells us and, and encourages us. And again, this is not just Old Testament law. It was in before the law was ever a part of the way the world lived. And it's carried on after the law became obsolete, according to the book of Hebrews. And that is this, the principle of tithing, honouring God with your tithe. Today, I'm not going to spend a long time on that, but I want to encourage you. Today, if you are a believer, I want to encourage you to, to understand and to, and to get in line in your life with the principle of tithing. That you honour God with 10% of all of your increase. That's our starting point. What's the harvest of that? The harvest of that, of tithes and first fruits, is a blessed life. What else is there? There is partnership, in our case with Citygate, but partnership with the, word of, with the church of Jesus Christ. That we partner with the activity of the church. There's a, a Bible verse, I've got so many verses that I want to read today, but there's a Bible verse over in Mark chapter 10. It says, if you give, it says you give your finances, if you give your life for my sake and for the gospels, you're going to get a hundredfold return. Now, I'm not going to get into putting a pound in the bucket and getting a hundred back. I'm not going to make it that sort of controlled. But the fact is this, there is huge harvest for partnering with the gospel. Huge harvest financially, emotionally, spiritually in every part of our life. Today, we're talking financially as we are generous with our offerings and with our partnership with the vision of whatever it is we're part of then there are huge harvests financially and in every other part of our life. God wants us to partner financially with a vision. What else do we partnership with? partner with? We have partnership with other people and with other things. We don't just give to the church. We're generous in every circumstance, whether it's to the poor or whether it's to the community. As a church, we poured our finances in a few years ago and we did up a school just down the road. We, we repaired the roof. We decorated the whole place, put new carpets down, new PA system. Why? Just because we can. Because they had a need. They didn't have the funds for it. We said, well, they didn't even ask. I heard about it. Just a primary school in the area, about 50 people took a couple of weeks off work, uh, up to a couple of weeks, some people a day, some people two weeks, piled down the local school, did it all up, cost us thousands. We did up a community facility the other year. We did the children's project home and we went and did that at our own expense. Come on, guys. We are here not to just pour into a church, not to just buy new lights, not to just build a new building, but to turn our world upside down and to partner with our community. When the police, they were told back in 2005, they all had to get push bikes. Anybody remember that, the bikes? I, at the point, I was the chairman of the local police thing in this whole area, and, um, <coughs> and I heard about this because it was, you know, discussed. All the cuts, we need to buy all our own bikes. The police had to buy their own bikes, 500 and something pound a piece. Uh, and I just asked, I said, how many do you need for this team here? And they said, we need four bikes. And they were thinking about how they can raise the funds and do a, fa a fate and do a sponsor this. And I just thought, this is stupid. I just, said, I just said, stop this, I'll buy them. I'll buy them. Next item on the agenda. And nobody could believe it around the room. We had, the, we had head teachers there and we had the fire brigade there and we had other people all part of this panel. They couldn't believe that a church would... I didn't do it personally. I, was, you know, I said, Citygate will do it. 
couldn't believe why would a church be that generous? What's in it for them? I'll tell you what's in it for them. Sow to the Spirit, reap abundant life. Sow in every situation. Come on, be generous. So we bought the bikes and they want, they put it in the newspapers and all the rest of it. And of course, you make the most of every opportunity to give Jesus good press. Give Jesus good press. I, I went just down to the fire brigade just down here and they, and they you know, I just went round and they were showing me round, you know, the stuff going on and what was going on in the local fire brigade. I'm interested in everything, guys. I'm like a ferret. I'm just getting everywhere. I want to know what's going on. And I saw their gym. Their gym was a mess. I mean, here are these guys giving their lives and serving the community. And they go in the gym and the running machine wasn't working and the weights were a mess and the whole thing. And I said, okay, somebody needs to do something about this. We went to the church uh, a couple of weeks later, took an offering. I think we raised about six grand, bought them a load of new gym equipment down there. They couldn't understand why would a church do this? Why? Because God is a generous God and His church is a generous church. And it's so important that we understand this. Whatever we so, come on, if we want to leave a legacy, we've got to partner with what is going on financially. We give to the poor, we give to programs, we give to world village, uh, world village, world vision. The world is a village. What's the harvest? Well, the, I, again, I'd love to get into this. The Bible says, give to the poor, God's going to heal you. Now, we're not into this. We, you know, we buy blessing from God. Please don't misunderstand this. But something happens so powerfully when we connect financially with what's going on. God is able to do far more in our lives than when we are stingy. What financial harvests can we expect to reap? Are you ready for this? Because this is where it gets exciting. As we sow, as we get into tithes and offerings and, you know, I announced last Sunday, come on, we're going to go for a quarter of a million pounds in two weeks' time. If everybody gave a thousand guys, we're there. Easy. Now, some people are going to give 20 grand. I know they are. Some people are going to give 50 grand. Some people are going to give 50 pounds. Wherever it is with you is absolutely fine. But guys, come on, let's nail this one. Come on, we are leaving a legacy. We're in this to make a difference, not to just drop a little stone in a pond. We're here to cause a tsunami of the kingdom of God in our generation. What, what harvests can we expect to reap? Number one, financial harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows spare. This is in two chapters talking about an offering. So please don't tell me I'm taking this out of context. It's absolutely in context. It's about an offering towards a church that was in need. It was about an offering that was taking place. They implored these guys, even in their challenges, they did over and above. They got hold of the grace of giving. And the Bible says Jesus was made poor, that we can be made rich. In the middle of verses talking about offerings and finances, Our God is a prospering God and He wants His church to be a prospering church. And it says this, whoever sows finances sparingly will also reap finances sparingly. Whoever sows finances generously will also reap finances uh, generously. Each man should give his finances what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace. And you've got to understand that in its context. It's talking and it's used the word grace about three or four times in the chapter. And it's about the grace of giving. 
And the laws of Bible interpretation, if that's what it says there, then that's what it must mean there. Because that's the context of the verse. And God is able to make all grace, the grace of giving and generosity, abound to you so that you in all things and in all times, having everything that you need, will abound financially in every good work. Now he who supplies financial seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase the store of your financial seed. Come on, don't get all British on me today, please. I'm very British and proud too. And it's coming home. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. And that word has been used twice in that whole chapter. And the first time it was used, it was used about finances. You will be made rich in every way. Now don't get into this, I want 10 cars and I want, uh, you know, that's not what we're talking about. The Bible says you desire to be rich, you're going to fall into so much trouble. Yeah? Okay. Just thought I'd throw that in there as a balance. Is that all right? Okay. No, he's all unbalanced. I'm not unbalanced. Dear God, I've only got 20 minutes to preach a message, yeah? So that you can be generous financially on every occasion. Oh, Pastor Jay, I can't afford to give in offerings. That tells me that you're not hooked up to the grace of giving. Because this says that if you're generous, God's going to make sure that you're, you're overflowing with the grace of giving so you can be made rich on every occasion to be generous on every occasion. So if we can't be generous on every occasion, that must tell me one thing from this. I'm not hooked up with the grace of giving because I'm not sowing with generosity. Hello? Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching well this morning. You love it when I'm talking about Goliath. You love it when I'm talking about Gideon. You love it when it's like the victory of the cross. When we talk about attitudes of the heart and finances, it starts getting a little bit gritty. For through you, sorry, for through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can I say this? For through us, your generosity will result in leaving a legacy. Financial harvest. Number two, what's the next harvest? Greater authority. Matthew chapter 25. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler. Everybody say ruler. Come on, say it again with some guts. A ruler. Ruler. Authority, dominion, boss, over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. I know the context of that, the parable of the talents about seeking God, doing with, um, it's about being a good steward. The man, the ruler, gave five talents, two talents, and one talents, not their money. Hello? Not their money. So many of you have heard the story about 1991 when it hit me like a ton of bricks. Nothing I have is mine. Life-changing moment. It was like, you know you have two or three of those moments in your life when you give your life to Jesus, when you get married. 1991. 
it hit me like a ton of bricks. In a conference, 10,000 people. I was on the front row down there. A friend of mine was speaking. It was like, wow. And boom, this thing hit me. I'm a steward. Everything I have belongs to God. I went home and cleaned my flat. Sharon was asleep in bed. I cleaned round her. Seriously. She got up the next day to a tidy flat. Why? Because I realized it wasn't mine. It was God's. The clothes I'm wearing, they're not mine. I may have purchased them, but everything I have belongs to Jesus Christ. Everything. The car I drive. The house we live in. Everything we have belongs to Jesus. Thank you, God, for letting me wear this stuff today. Do you want anybody else to wear it? I know it's the height of fashion and everybody's really jealous of my clothes and you all want to wear my stuff. We understand the context of this, but the principle is the same. If you are faithful over what you got, you're going to be made ruler over something far greater. Can I hear an amen this morning? What else do you get from financial sowing? This is from sowing financially. Number three, greater grace. Greater grace. Philippians chapter 4. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. This is talking about offering. And you read the whole book of Philippians, it's about a partner letter. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid, you sent clothes, you sent finance, whatever they sent, again and again for my needs. Not that I'm seeking the gift, I seek the fruit. Everybody say fruit. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply, come on, all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hang on a minute, Pastor. I thought you said it was greater grace. If you read the whole book of Philippians, it says this. Because of financial partnership, you can partake of the grace that is upon my life, Paul was saying. That's why. He didn't say that to anybody else. I know God's going to meet every need you have. Why? Because you're partnering with me. You're partnering with something, the great grace that was upon the Apostle Paul's life. You can partner with the, with the stuff of God that is upon something. Be very careful who you partner with. Come on. Make sure you're sown into good ground. Of course, I'm going to say city gate, but come on, there's so many other things in the world we can partner with. Some is stony ground. Don't throw your money away. There's so many appeals for money. I want to sow my finances into something that's good ground. Can I hear an amen? Something that I want to partner with what's upon the person's life or the church's life or the outreach's life or the organisation's life. What is it that they carry from God that I can partner with? Wow, we nearly finished. Band, let's, let's have the band back up. What else do we partner or do we receive? We receive greater glory. Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, thieves don't come in and steal. For where your treasure is, come on, there your heart will be also. For the lamp of the body is the eye. What are you talking about? Going on about eyeballs now. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mammon, the God of money. Why did he start by saying treasure and heart, then go into eyes and holiness, and then go back into money and stuff? Some of you will have already have heard this, but it's so important for us to understand the power of money and of sowing and of connecting financially with where we're putting our money. It is one great teaching on how you use your finances. That expression, if your eye is good, is a Hebrew financial expression. It's what it is. You find it through the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 15. If a poor man comes into your city and your eye is good and you meet his need. If your eye is evil and you are not generous. Proverbs chapter 22. He who has a good eye will be blessed because he gives generously. The parable of the people that come every hour of the day and the master pays them one denarius, even if they come and just work the last hour compared to those who work all day, pays them the same. And the ones who are working all day say, that's not fair. Can I just say in the day we're living in, we need to get over this fair thing. Life is not fair. Hello? when we're in days of equality and whatever else, we want equal for so many things, which is wonderful. But come on, don't start playing the victim because life's not fair. And they were playing the victim, it's not fair. We worked all day long and you're paying them the same as you paid us. Don't we hear that every day? (laughs) And he said, what's wrong with you? Why have you got an evil eye? Why is your eye not good towards these people? It means that expression, having a good eye, means if you see a need and meet the need. Let's see the result of that. Are you getting anything out of this today? Come on, it's not as hot because we got new air conditioning. This is wonderful. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, I'm going I'm to put in there what that actually means. The lamp of the body, how you live your life comes down to how you see financially. If you see a need and meet the need, you'll be filled with the greater glory of God. If you see a need and you don't meet the need, even if you're able to meet the need, we all do things according to our ability. I see needs every day that I'm not able to meet. But if I see a need that I'm able to meet and I don't meet it, I'm allowing in darkness. Come on guys. So it's just what it's saying. If you see the need and you meet the need, you're generous on every occasion, etc., etc. I want to leave a legacy for the generations to come. And it will be as we love people, as we serve people, as we lead people to Christ, and as we use our finances for the Kingdom of God. Then he goes straight back in. Therefore, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You cannot serve God and money. You're gonna love one, hate the other, be loyal to one, despise the other. How are you gonna live your life financially? Luke 16, another one, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. If you cannot be faithful in unrighteous money, who's gonna commit to your trust? True riches. That, again in context, is the power and the presence of God. We've gotta settle this once and for all, church. It is God's will to prosper His children. 
Anybody want to accept that one, yeah? It's God's will to prosper His children. Spirit, soul, body, finances, socially, and every part of our life that we walk in the abundance of God. The shalom of God, we were singing earlier, peace be still. That word peace, shalom, really is not a peace and quiet word. It, it divides the Red Sea, it calms the storm. It's the word shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. More than anything else in the Bible, and I'm talking about huge amount more, it's translated prosper than it is ever translated peace. It means the abundant life of God, nothing missing, nothing broken. It gives God great pleasure to shalom His people. In the context, prosper His people. Nothing missing, nothing broken financially. God's prosperity operates by sowing and reaping. Thank God you got a great job with a great, a great salary. But you know what that's given you? A seed bag. A seed bag. You're earning that. Now the job may be the blessing of God, but the salary is what you've worked for. Hello? What are we gonna do with the seed bag? Perhaps you're believing God for a job. Sow your time, sow your faith, sow the Word of God, sow your love, sow your expectation. Learn something, go to college, get a degree, do something. Put your life into advancing yourself. But come on, let's never forget we're here to be generous people. It is God's will for God's children to live like He lives. In the great grace of extravagant generosity and as a result, reap the harvest of limitless abundance. That's worth tweeting. Where our finances go is where our heart will connect. Money affects everything. Did you get anything out of that today? We've been talking about the power of sowing seed. The Kingdom, Jesus, the Word of God, faith, absolutely. I could say our time, our love, our energy, our praise and worship, everything. What we're going to live in tomorrow is what we're sowing seed for today. What we're going to leave for the generations. I want my money to speak for something more than just a bigger house. I want my money to speak for something more than just a bigger pot for my retirement. Money amplifies who we are, good or bad. Money sown well brings favour and promotion. Money sown well reaps in a harvest of lives coming to Christ. Money sown well. Oh, I love this. I wrote this list yesterday and I'm about to explode. Money sown well increases our spiritual power and ability. Money sown well opens doors of favour and opportunity. Money sown well sees a church advance. Money sown well sees a family achieve their goals. Money sown well builds credibility and a good reputation in the community. Money sown well meets needs miraculously. Money sown well increases our own gifting and our own ability. Money sown well increases the grace of God upon our lives to do only what God can do. Money sown well restricts the devil's activity in our lives as we break free from the spirit of mammon and debt and insufficiency that has ruled our lives. Money sown well destroys debt, lack and insufficiency. Money sown well brings a greater measure of God's love 
and presence into our personal lives. Money sown well advances the Kingdom of God. Money sown well lays an unshakable foundation for future generations and equips the next generation. Money sown well enables our children to start off where we left off. Money sown well brings physical healing and health and wholeness into our lives. Money sown well brings victory and fulfilment. Money sown well brings an amazing financial harvest of wealth, prosperity and abundance into our lives in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, let's lift our hands to God right now. And wow, we've been talking today about something that upsets so many people, is used to manipulate people, it's used unrighteously to prosper some and cause others to suffer. The subject of wealth and generosity and financial giving. But Father God, we stand here today as those who want to see Your Kingdom advance. Father, forgive us for not being generous people. Lord, forgive us for times when we've seen the need and we've not met the need even even though we could have acted in a way whether that's towards other people or the poor or another organisation or the church or tithing towards You. Father God, whatever position we stand ourselves, we find ourselves in today, Lord, we know that we can do even more. We can go even further. Lord, Your Word talks about doing the over and above. Father, we stand here today and we ask for the grace of giving to touch our lives afresh. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your incredible generosity. Father, for Your amazing generosity, that You so loved the world that You gave Your most precious, the one and only Jesus Christ. We honour You today, Father. We thank You that You are our example. Holy Spirit, You lead us and You guide us. And we ask You right now to, as we, Lord, as we connect our faith to be doers of this Word, Lord, we also call on the grace to empower us to be all that You've called us to be. Father, we thank You for it in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here today.